0: A couple of scripture passages to begin. From 1 Corinthians 13, you know this chapter. It's read a lot, read a lot at weddings, <laughs> really has nothing to do so much with weddings, actually. It's, it's just about agape, about Christian love. And I read it because later on, I'm going to read a couple of the verses again from another translation that I really like but anyway hear this from Paul if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love I am nothing If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part... Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then back to the 13th chapter of Matthew. And Jesus, in this particular chapter, it is a number of the parables that Jesus told. I read two of the short ones. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I don't know whether you folks ever think about where preachers get their ideas for sermons. You know, if you put Pastor Rodney and Dennis and myself and now David beginning together, we've had a whole lot of sermon ideas over nearly 50 years or so for some. That's not David. He's young whippersnapper. <laughs> Sometimes preachers follow what we call the lectionary. That just means there are scriptures assigned to each Sunday and, and they get their ideas, inspiration, if you will, from whatever scriptures are assigned to that particular Sunday. A lot of preachers, I know I did before I retired, preached in series. I liked to do a series of sermons because then you knew what was coming. Sometimes, sometimes inspiration comes at a basketball game. I was to such a game this past year during the season. Happened to sit behind a group of rather enthusiastic fans. They were cheering for the home team and you knew which team was theirs. When their team was on defense, and they they didn't yell at the refs, they didn't call the refs stupid or blind or anything. They cheered when their team was on defense, admonishing the team to do well on that end of the floor. But it was the words one of them spoke when their team went on offense. Over and over, they said, make it count. Now, I understood what they meant. You know, when the team had the ball, make it count, score a basket, do good on offense. But as I heard those words over and over during the course of that game, it really did touch me. It, It took me back to the beginnings of my ministry and why I even entered the ministry at all. See, I wanted my life to count for something. I remembered the words from Romans, which has always been a favorite verse uh, verse of mine. Therefore, I beseech you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. That was my life verse for entering entering the ministry to present my body as a living sacrifice, it was a reasonable thing for me to do. Make it count. But as I continue to think about those words, I wanna tell you, and I fully understand, I'm not gonna say anything real profound to you. Nothing that you haven't heard before, but things that you do need, to, if your life is going to count, Things you do need to think about. And first and foremost is simply that you have to begin with God. Now that has a lot of facets to it. A lot of different understandings. But it's certainly those parables that I read to you. About the treasure hidden in the field or the pearl of great price. Jesus was trying to tell us that's how important your relationship with God is. It was important enough for those people, the treasure found in the field or the pearl, to go sell everything they had so they could buy it, so they could have it. Beginning with God is that important? Sometimes, though, we use terms so freely. See, many people across our land call themselves Christians with no real understanding of what that means. Rodney knows the years that he spent and I spent at Yorkana. The farmer family we had there planted a cornfield uh, right behind the parsonage, part of the parsonage ground. And he told us to use it do whatever we wanted with it. That was our corn. And so it come corn harvesting time, some years I would pick 200 dozen years of corn off that little patch. My wife and I would eat corn every day for a couple weeks because well, the corn was all planted at the same time. It all came in at the same time. And then we would sell some, put that in the missions fund of the church mornings I would go out and if we had corn orders I would pick some bags of corn before I went to the church office but I also realized something I realized the picking corn didn't make me a farmer all I did was pick the corn that someone else had labored to make sure was there see that's the way it is with Christianity we call ourselves a Christian nation Many people call themselves Christian. But being American is not the same thing as being a Christian. All Americans are not Christians. Many Americans are not Christians. They haven't put God first. Being the member of a church. It's not the same thing as being a Christian. People across America have joined some church and And think that's all that's necessary. But they forget. They forget the vow they took. The question they answered. When you joined the church, whether it's this one or some other, you were asked some question like this. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and pledge your allegiance to his kingdom? It's not the membership that makes you a Christian. It is that affirmation, that confession that makes you a Christian. Being a good, moral person, that's not what makes you a Christian. (laughs) There are many Buddhists who are good people. There are many Muslims who are good people. There are many atheists who are good, moral people. It is the faith in Christ that makes you a Christian. Jesus never backed off the idea of conversion. Call it what you will. Conversion, regeneration, new birth. Even to Nicodemus, who was a very religious man, Jesus still said, you know, you must be born again. He never backed off. Jesus never backed off the idea of making a decision for Christ about accepting the forgiveness that God offers to us and the new life, the regeneration that he makes possible. Make your life count. Begin with God. Make your decision about what place God's going to play in your life. There are other facets to that. It seems to me that if you tell me that God is important to you in your life, then you're here now i know you're here you've chosen to come into this worship service today but i wonder every sunday morning do you have to talk about that do you have to say within the life of your family hey are we going to go to church today i'm telling you when i was growing up that was never a question Never a question on Sunday morning, well, do we want to go to church today? We knew we were going. And I have seen over my years, I have been so inspired by the effort some of our most elderly people have to make to come to worship. That should make some of us who are younger, kind of including myself in that, some of us who are younger feel guilty If a little rain keeps us away, or if clouding, you know, whatever. If we get up Sunday morning, oh, am I going to go to church today? I have seen people in the first church I ever served, somewhat like Yorkshire here. We had a lot of steps in that church and no elevators. But you had to take like 15 steps up to the sanctuary of that church. And I watch some of our most elderly struggle up those steps week after week. But they did it. Every week they did it. So if you're going to tell me that you've really made a decision to put God first in your life, then you do need to worship regularly. And it seems to me that you cannot say that you put God first in your life without also remembering those bracelets. What would Jesus do? The decisions you make in your life, day after day, if God is first, then those decisions have to be guided by God. Daily. So that's not a bad thing. What would Jesus do? It's a good question to ask yourself. In my life, I have strived, I really have strived to put God first. I have made my decision for him to accept his forgiveness in my life. And I have tried to follow him. Now, that's another key, that idea of trying. You see, that's the second thing that in my ministry i've tried to do and i hope you try to do in your life to do your best in all of your ventures one of my favorite peanuts cartoons it's just this linus is lamenting that everybody's so disappointed that he didn't make the honor roll everybody's disappointed And Linus closed by saying there's no heavier burden than a great potential. You don't realize the potential that you have. And to realize that God expects the best from you if you're going to make your life count. That's why I said from 1 Corinthians 13, if you read that same chapter out of the Living Bible, There's a few verses there that I just love the way that phrases it. It says, if you love someone, you will be loyal to them no matter what the cost. You will always believe in them. Always expect the best of them. And always stand your ground in defending them. If God loves me, if God loves you, if God loves us, then according to that version of 1 Corinthians 13, God expects the best from us. You know the stories of of Matthew and, yeah, we're ready. (laughs) There we go. Matthew and the woman. Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus went and called him. And then he went to his house. And Jesus was Condemned by some of the religious leaders for eating in the home of a sinner. But Jesus didn't see Matthew as a sinner. Jesus saw the potential in Matthew. Jesus expected the best out of Matthew. And that woman caught in adultery when Jesus got down and wrote whatever he wrote in the dirt. Got up and said, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And everybody left. And then Jesus challenged the woman to go and to sin no more. He expected the best from her. There was a saying I like to use when I was talking about the church. When we are at our best. When we are at our best in the church Differences are accepted and forgiven. We don't always have to agree about everything. There will be differences of opinion within the life of the church on all matters everything from how you interpret some scripture passages to what color the carpeting's gonna be. There's all kinds of things that we disagree about. We don't just accept each other when we agree in the church when we are at our best we strive to be proud of our church without being prideful and i like that distinguishing factor we want you to be proud of yorkshire church but we don't want you to be prideful about it not to think that yorkshire church has all the answers and is better than every other worshiping congregation in york county proud without being prideful when we are at our best. Long ago, I maybe have shared with you in my time with you this reading, but it's one of my favorites. I found it a long time ago in Brunswick, Maryland, but it has become kind of an adult affirmation for me. This is the big game. I hope we win because winning is nice. It's a good feeling, like the whole world is yours, but it passes this feeling. And what lasts is what you have learned, and what you learn about is life. That's what sports is all about, life. The whole thing is played out in a few minutes, the happiness, miseries, joys, heartbreaks. There's no telling what will turn up. Maybe they will toss you out in the first five minutes or... Maybe you'll stay in for the long haul. There's no telling how you'll do. You might be a hero or you might be nothing. Too much depends on chance, on how the ball bounces. And it's the same way in the serious game of life. But what counts is what you do with serious things. You do your best. You take what comes and you run with it. But winning is not the point. Wanting to win is the point. Not giving up is the point. Play to win, but lose like a champion because it's not winning that counts. What counts is trying. See, that's how I think God looks at me. God knows, and I said to the kids, God knows whether you've really done your best or not. And if you are striving to do your best in all things, that's all God expects of you. Put God first. If you want your life to count, do your best in all things. And the third thing, live your life so that its meaning outlasts you. I don't know whether any of you watch ever Strange Inheritance. It's on I don't know what station. It's on one of the stations. And it's sometimes just weird inheritances that people get. But that Jamie Colby, she closes every episode by saying, you can't take it with you. Now, that's certainly true of your finances, your material wealth. You can't take it with you. You can leave it behind, For those who follow. But the other thing that you can leave behind is your life, that is, the teachings of your life. Make your life count. John the Baptist, forerunner really of Jesus, he told things the way it was. And there was a time when he condemned Herod for an action that he took. And it ended up that John the Baptist was put in prison. While he was in prison, he sent some of his disciples, that is John's disciples, to ask Jesus a question. And the question was, are you the one who, who was to come or should we expect another? It's interesting to me that Jesus didn't answer that with a simple yes I am or no I'm not. You know what Jesus said? Jesus told those disciples of John to go back to John. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus was willing to face the results of his life. Look at the world. It is a better place because I am in it. It's really what Jesus was saying. And gee, I hope that's what we can say. Another one of my favorite, Peanuts, I know we say that a lot, but I liked a lot of the Peanuts things. Linus and Charlie Brown are talking one day and Charlie Brown is lamenting how terrible the world is. So many things are wrong. And Linus says, I think the world is better today than it was six years ago. Charlie Brown, Linus, how can you say that? Don't you read the paper? Don't you listen to the news? How can you say the world is better than it was six years ago? You know what Linus said? because I'm in it now. We should be able to say that. We should be able to say, Yorkshire United Methodist Church is better because I'm part of it. That's not being cocky. That's not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's just saying that I am striving to make my life count. We should be able to say my family is a better family because I'm part of it. My town, my neighborhood, better because I'm part of it. Christians should be able to say that. Make it count. Make it count. I know that in my lifetime, there have been people who left a legacy in me. You don't know them, they never became famous. I think of a man named Albert Schimmel, a retired elementary school principal who touched my life in so many ways. I think of a young man named Jeff Freeman. Jeff Freeman conducted Lou Gehrig's disease died in his early 40s. But I watched him face that disease with courage, with faith. Make it count. Make it count. Begin with God. Do your best in all the ventures you do and make sure that your life is given to things that will outlast you. Make it count. Bow with me a minute. Dear Father, we pray that to be true in our lives, that we will make a difference to the people whose lives touch ours, that our life will make a difference, that we will have chosen to follow you in every aspect, that we will always do our best that we will give our life to something that will outlast us. Make it count. Amen.